eaten up by vicious anger and festering hate. Tom Janot was um, not comfortable in his own skin. He was in exile from his, from his own life. A celebrated uh, journalist uh, with many awards to his name, he had entered into such a dark phase of his life and his vocation that um, most politicians and notables would not even agree to meet with him any longer. Worse than that, of course, is that um, uh, his, uh, his great anger and hatred had driven a wedge between his wife and himself, and it had paralyzed, it had absolutely paralyzed their desires uh, to start a family. Uh, neither Tom nor his wife could imagine bringing a child into this cauldron of odious anger uh, that Tom had conjured. But then, as the Bible says, it came to pass. It came to pass that one celebrity, only one, agreed to meet with Tom. His name was Fred Rogers, known to most all the world as Mr. Rogers. Uh, and Ex Esquire magazine had Oh, just assigned Tom a really a short kind of teaser article, 500 words, they said, uh, just to try to get Tom back on track. Well, the article ended up being 10,000 words and the cover of Esquire that month and one of their highest selling editions ever. More importantly than that, um, his interview of Mr. Rogers ended up being a lifetime friendship and a lifeline for Tom. And through the ministrations of, of Fred Rogers, of course, a very devout Christian himself, uh, a Presbyterian pastor, um, Tom began to be healed as Fred prayed for him and as he counseled him and as he became a role model for him. Um, eventually, Tom was able to forgive his father, who um, had left the family, I think, 22 years before as, as Tom's mother was dying. And uh, not only that, Tom was able to hold the hand of his father as he was dying, an incredible reconciliation. And Tom was able to renew the romance with his, with his wife. And sure enough, uh, they were brave enough, finally, to start a family. Tom was no longer in exile from himself. Now, St. Peter has a lot to say for all of us Christians who are in exile from ourselves. That's a state we know fairly well. Uh, writing uh, in about the year 65 A.D. or so from Rome to uh, little churches dotted along northern and western Turkey, um, Peter owns up to the fact that, um, that they feel as if they're in exile. And so he writes, uh, he writes to them, uh, live your life in reverent fear. Live your life in reverent fear. 
during this time of your exile. Um, for God is ransoming you from your futile ways. Live your life in reverent fear, for God is ransoming you from your futile ways. Now, it's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate translation uh, from the Greek. A reverent fear to me sounds sort of like Scooby-Doo, who ends up in a you know a haunted house. Um, but the word really should be something more like live your life in over uh, in overwhelming awe or in complete awe. For the God who raised Jesus from the dead is operating in your life. And that's the sense of the scripture. God, whose, whose word took Jesus out of death and brought him back to life, that same power is operating in you and me to deliver us from our exile. And we know about that exile. I mean, one thing I, I realize about being born again, it doesn't solve all our problems. I mean, it actually begins a couple of others. When, when uh, you're born again, when Christ gets a hold of your life and brings you out of death into life, uh, you begin to see clearly uh, the um, dark disorder of the world. And um, you can't lean on those pithy answers and, uh, that you had before or authorities that have been uh, spinning their truths. You begin to confront the world as it really is, and it can be painful. Uh, worse than that uh, is that um, when we're born again, uh, we confront uh, the depravity of our own selves. We begin to realize in more ways than one, we're not comfortable in our own skin, uh, that we are um, in exile from ourselves. But Pete says, don't despair, don't despair. It may be a winding road of transformation, but remember, the power working in you is the same power that resurrected our Lord. Uh, what, a, what a great scripture to read during this Easter season. Now, that sounds good in theory, but what does it really look like? Well, Peter tells us. He says, love one another deeply from your heart, for you have been born anew. Love one another deeply from your heart, for you have been born anew. As I told you last week, uh, Peter, 1 Peter is the only uh, letter, uh, the only document in the New Testament that actually uses the term born again, uh, uh, in, in literally. Uh, love one another deeply from the heart because you've been born again. Um, there's no sense in the New Testament, and certainly not from St. Peter, uh, that being born again is some kind of private religious experience. No, for Peter, to be born again is to be born anew into your family, into your marital relationship, into your work, into your neighborhood. Uh, it is to become a different person um, in those contexts. Um, and I would go as far to, as, as, far to say this, uh, that uh, if one has been born again, people will begin to experience the love uh, that, that you offer. If people are not experiencing you and me in another way, we probably need to reassess our, our, uh, 
our, our rebirth because it has to show up. It has to show up. And it will show up. Now, what do you do if you're stuck? I mean, I listen, I've been a Christian for a long time, not as long as many of you, but longer than some of you. Uh, and I certainly have had my ups and downs. What happens when you get discouraged? Um, what happens when you, you know, it's kind of like on one of those diets when you plateau, you know. <laughs> you've been doing so well and now you've plateaued. Uh, well, that happens in the Christian life too. Uh, it uh, calls on more faith reserves. But, um, but when, when we do get discouraged, um, you may wonder, what do we do? Just try harder. And I, I want to tell you tonight, absolutely not. That is not our response. Uh, Peter tells us what we are to do. He says, remember, uh, you were born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable seed, which is the enduring word of God. You were born of imperishable seed, of the enduring word of God. The enduring word of God is Jesus, and death had no hold on him. <laughs> so what has a hold of you and me is much stronger than anything that's, that's, that's circumventing our growth in the faith. Believe me, believe me. And the only response to, uh, the response to being born again regardless of kind of where we are on, on the long trail, the only response is doxology. Isn't that strange I would say that? But one of my favorite commentators said that. The only thing we have to offer uh, for our salvation is doxology. Now that comes from the uh, Latin dokian, which means uh, glory. Uh, uh, the only thing we do is give God glory. And, you know, probably the most... The, the, the one doxology we know the best is praise God from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above ye heavenly hosts praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost Amen we've been singing that all our lives we are Episcopalians or Methodists or Presbyterians um, but, um, but think about when we offer it we offer that when when we're bringing the monetary offering, when, they, when they're bringing the first fruits of our gifts up to the altar. So we sing glory to God when we're giving Him stuff. Now, wait a minute. What's out of place there? Well, of course, it's not out of place at all. We give glory to God because He's changed our hearts. And we want to give of ourselves. Instead of, instead of retreating back into that selfish, uh, distorted image of who we used to be. And there's nothing to do but sing praises. Now, I can promise you that the Lord will be faithful. And that, um, that if you feel discouraged right now in your walk, He will, He will do a good work in you. He has promised to do that. <laughs> now, as I want to emphasize once again, um, uh, to be born again is not just to have kind of adjusted mental processes. It is, it is ultimately to, to, to take action, in a, uh, but in, different, in a different way. One of, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie that was made about Tom Janow, uh, I believe it's Janow, not Janow, Tom Janow and Fred Rogers, 
a beautiful day in the neighborhood, um, is when Mr. Rogers is trying to train, trying to counsel Tom to do something different with his anger, which is considerable. And Tom says, I don't know what to do with it. I don't, I don't know what to do with my anger. And um, at one point, Mr. Rogers said, well, when I'm angry, I go to the piano and I bang on the lowest notes. It's good to have good staff. Um, I bang on the lowest notes. And at the end of the film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, after Mr. Rogers walks off the set and all his cast members and staff have gone other places, he's sitting at the piano by himself in a nondescript set and he bangs on the keys just like Bob did. Even Mr. Rogers needs grace. And the sound of the piano is the sound of a man getting back into his own skin. 